Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Bob. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm really, really good. I'm feeling a bit spooky though. Yeah, we're all feeling a little bit spooky. It's that time of the year, isn't it? It certainly is, and we'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, welcome everybody to Bearback, the podcast where we navigate our lives together as a bear couple. And discuss the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben and I'm British. And I'm Ben and I'm Argentinian. And what is a bear, Ben? What is a bear? We haven't really we haven't really focused on that in a few weeks. So if people are new to the podcast, what is a bear? What is a bear? A bear is part of the homosexual community. Homosexual. Well, the LGBTQ community, actually. Now it's a little bit more expanded. Don't forget the plus. Don't forget plus, of course. LGBTQ plus community. Mainly on the larger side. Ah yeah. A little bit hairy. Ah yeah. A little bit manly. Uh, pass. <laughs> well, we identify as bears, I suppose, don't we? Yeah, I think we do, although I'm big, but I'm not hairy. You're big and hairy, but you're not the... Be careful what you say. <laughs> Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. I think that's the thing. And one of the things we do talk about a lot in this podcast is, you know, how we adhere to those stereotypes. In many ways we do, in many ways we don't. And that's what makes us... Wholly rounded people. And that's in shape. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's bareback because we're looking back. We're looking back into our cultures, into our relationship, into how we interact. And this week, we're looking back at Halloween. Ooh, the spookiest time of the year. But how is it celebrated in the UK? And how is it celebrated in Argentina? And that's the whole point of bareback. We're going to look back into our cultures. See how it all kind of fits together? <laughs> It's magic. It's magic. Oh, actually, it's just good planning, isn't it? <laughs> well, we'll certainly find out when we get our ghosts and ghouls on in a little while. But before we do that, let's open the post bag. There's a lot of dildo talk in the post bag. Oh my God, it's all dildo talk. So if you remember two weeks ago, we told the story of our outgoing cleaner who left us a, well, essentially a wooden dildo cum bottle opener. Yeah. And that's attracted a lot of messages from you all out there. I think the main thing was that we surmised that because that one came from Athens, that it was a a Greek souvenir trope. But actually, Miss Ruby's been in touch, friend of the show. Hi, Miss Ruby. She's dropped us a line to say that she bought one in Menorca. Then we've also been contacted by Mark, who says that he bought several. I mean, how many do you need? Uh, of these for friends, okay, it was for friends, at the Icelandic Phallological Museum, is that a word? Oh, it's the Penis Museum. It's the we Penis talk, Museum. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, so evidently it's not uh, just a, um, a a Greek thing, and Mark is testament of that, well, Mark and a lot of his friends apparently. Lucky bunch of friends. Lucky bunch of friends. To get those. And he says that it reminded him that he needed a new bottle opener, so apparently... We're not just an entertaining podcast, we're also informative. Public service, public service. And then we have Scotty. Now, 
Scotty says that use doesn't bother me. Now, I'm sorry, but there's certain things that should be you should be the first and only user of. And dildos, I think it counts as one of them. Absolutely. I mean, I'm all for doing my bit for the environment. Obviously, both of us are following the COP26 event that's going on in Glasgow. Reduce, reuse, recycle. You know, it's necessary to protect the planet. But some things should arrive to your home untampered with. Mm, I, I definitely agree with that one. To see for it yourself, if you've not already seen it, the wooden dildo come bottle opener, you can head right now to our social media channels. We're at Bareback Podcast on Instagram. We are at Bareback Pod on Twitter. And on Facebook, just look for us, Bareback, just search for us. And you'll see the <laughs> wooden dildo in all its glory. And if you want to send us a message, because we love reading your messages and reading them here on the podcast, mm-hmm. you can also write us an email at barebackpodcast at gmail.com. Wow. And fame and fortune, well, probably not fame, probably not fortune, but you get to hear yourself on the podcast, which is quite cool, isn't it? You get a shout out. I like hearing myself on my own podcast. So. I mean, I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> You know that. Well, let's put the post bag away for a week. And what have we been up to since we last did the old poddy? Oof, we... oof, 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 Bab, it's a hard life. I know, we've been up to a lot. Very all educational, very cultural, very supporting the arts. Yes, we have had a very, very cultural week. It started off last Monday and we went into Birmingham to see a brand new musical called What's New Pussycats. Yes, and it wasn't about cats. (laughs) It certainly wasn't about cats. No, it wasn't. It was the story of Tom Jones, which is obviously the historical novel. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, We knew that. But set in 1960s London. And the music is all Tom Jones, the singer. Sir Tom Jones, I think you'll find, Bab. Oh, who cares? Now, we were driving along the M6 to get into Birmingham and on the motorway, and I've got a little playlist of Tom Jones tracks in the car for us to warm our vocal cords up for the musical. And I noticed that Benham wasn't really joining in with the songs. And I was like, are you okay, love? And he was like, well, I don't really like Tom Jones. I was like, what? We're going to a musical... All the songs are songs by Sir Tom Jones. And you're telling me, like, literally ten minutes before we're at the theatre door that you don't like Tom Jones. Well, but in my defence as well, it's not like you gave me a lot of choice. It's like you came to me, oh, by the way, I'm, I got tickets for this musical, we're going. And you didn't really give me a... say, oh, would you like to go? Do you want me to get tickets? You just got the tickets. Well, I did, yes, because I thought, well, it's a Monday night. We don't normally do anything on a Monday night. It's a chance for us to, you know, get dressed up, go to the theatre, see a bit of culture, darling. And, you know, I thought it would be a nice thing to do. So, and you were busy upstairs doing some, I don't know, virtual conference or something. You know, work. <laughs> so, I just thought it was a nice, nice little treat for you at the end of the day. And I just assume that everybody likes Tom Jones. Yeah, nah. What is it that you don't like about him, per se? So, I'm not particularly fan of his voice. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that he is a bad singer. That doesn't mean that he has a bad voice. That doesn't mean that he cannot sing. It just means that it's not a voice that I particularly enjoy listening to. And then, the songs themselves, I don't know, they're very... Oh, how can I say this in English? um... Say it in Spanish, Bab. Be who you are. (laughs) Be free. <laughs> Be free. This is bareback. You can do what you like. Uh, I I think that the songs are very 
adolescent is like it's like oh right okay delilah is already is all about somebody being murdered how can you say that delilah is adolescent Mm, it, it is adolescent. It's I just, mean, I know it's all guns and knives in schools these days, but you know, you don't hear of many people being murdered. The only thing adult about Delilah is that the name of the woman is the name of a grandmother. <laughs> well, it was written in like you know a long time before we were born. But then uh, you can leave your heart on. It's uh, again nowadays. It's a very naive song, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think it's very polite to go into somebody's house and if you're wearing a hat you take your hat off but then if your host says you can leave your hat on actually I think that's quite a useful bit of advice that Tom Jones gives there in that song and then sex bomb really it's like really in borderlines in misogyny you know sex bomb I went to school with somebody and they lost the virginity and that song was playing in the background um, see that's just wrong <laughs> can you remember what song was playing in the background when you were yeah. What was it? <laughs> uh, oh, I can't remember the exact song. I mean, it went through a couple of songs at least. Oh, treat yourself. But it was an Alicia Keys CD. Oh, dear. Oh, but Well, actually, I could hardly talk. Mine was Suzanne Vega. Oh. <laughs> Greatest hits. Oh, I'm, the thing is, if you lost your virginity to Luca... No, I didn't lose my virginity to Luca. My name is Luca. I live on the second yeah, floor. Yeah, and we all know what that song's about. So, yeah, no, thankfully. I think it was probably Tom Steiner. Yeah, no, so mine was Alicia Keys, but it, it was one of her f- one of her very first albums that became famous. So it was very mellow, very romantic. It wasn't like... This girl is on fire! Yeah, exactly, it was breathe that. It was very much breathe that. Uh, I'm free, like, New York state of mind and, and so on. It was the romantic Alicia Keys. Okay. Okay. But the musical itself, I thought was really good. It was, the second half was hilarious. It became a farce and I was in stitches. It kind of played up to itself and I thought that was really, really clever. I mean, I think that the actors had amazing voices and I think that it's one of the plays uh, that I've seen, one of the musicals that I've seen that had the most amazing individual voices. Like a lot of those singers were were definitely not, backup singers uh, if you like amazing voices the story makes no fucking sense i'm sorry but the story is ridiculous the storyline is absolutely ridiculous and senseless as is the case for a lot of musicals but my kind of comeback to that was that i've not read the tom jones novel the historical novel and if that's what happens in the novel then you kind of have to give the writers and the producers some artistic license there because they've tried to keep it in line with a classic, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfectly fine. And also, if you see the, the storyline for Mamma Mia, it's absolute rubbish. It's, it's ridiculous. It's childish. It, it's just that people connect with the music. And this is, the, for me, is the same thing. The storyline makes no sense. It's absolutely childish. It's, it, it's absolutely rubbish. But people connect with the music. And that's what you want when you do these type of plays. And... People really, really connected and responded to the music. And given, because it, it was Tom Jones' songs, but not sung by Tom Jones, I actually quite enjoyed it. Mm. I really, I loved it. I, I left the theatre, I was skipping down, you know, down the road, back to the car park. I, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really, really, really good. And the fact that, you know, it was a world premiere in Birmingham, you know, is something for the city to be proud of. So, yeah, I thought it was great. But it wasn't the only musical we went to see, was it? 
No, well, as I said, we had a very cultural week and we went down to that there, London, capital city, at the weekend and we saw And Juliet, which, for those of you who have not heard of it, it's basically Anne Hathaway, not the actress, the wife of William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. Goes to William and says, "Well, you know, why does why does Juliet have to die at the end of the play? Why can't it be the beginning of her story? You know, in the original play, she's only fourteen, bless her. So she's got a whole life ahead of her, literally. And Shakespeare kind of realizes that he's never really done anything professionally for his wife. You know, she's always kind of been in Stratford upon Avon, looking after the kids. He's been living the life in London. So together they rewrite Romeo and Juliet, hence why it's called Anne Juliet. And the musical starts with, you know, Juliet seeing that Romeo's dead and then it goes on from there. Now it's a comedy, it's not a tragedy, and it's all to the music of Max Martin, who is the superstar producer who's produced hits for Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Adele, Katy uh, Perry, Justin Timberlake. Love me like you do. Oh that's um oh, Ellie Goulding. Uh, oh the White Chicks Girl. Ellie Goulding. What do you mean the White Chicks Girl? I'm sorry if this offends anyone, including Ellie Goulding, but I really believe... I remember when she did that Pantene commercial? Yeah. In that Pantene commercial, she looked like the Wayan brothers when they were playing White Chicks. The oh, film. that's unfair. I, don't th- I just... The first time I saw that Pantene commercial, I thought, well, is that Ellie Goulding or is that one of the Wayans brothers doing White Chicks? No, oh, that's unfair. She's beautiful. I love Ellie Goulding. Anyway, so that was the musical. We had a great time. Again, fantastic musical. Really, really innovative. Great staging, great cast, really funny. Entertaining. We had a blast. And it was highly anticipated because we were meant to see this play at the start of the pandemic. It kept being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So it was kind of... We were like, are we actually going to get there? Are we actually going to get there? And when we sat down in our seats and the show started, there was a bit of relief amongst us. And we'd gone with our two friends as well. So it was great to see them. And after the show, we went back into Soho in London and we decided that we were going to go and have a coffee before we got um, our train back to Warwickshire. Mm -hmm. And we went into this little croissant shop in Soho. They didn't actually have any croissants. They'd run out. Well, to be fair, it was kind of the end of the day, isn't it? It was about, what, half five? Yeah, but they had coffee. And we said to the people working behind the till, can we have a mocha? Oh, no. We don't do mocha. And we were a little bit confused by that because we were literally looking at the menu behind the bar that very distinctly had mocha. So you can't do a mocha? No, it's not on our menu. Uh, Well, actually, it's literally written in massive letters behind you. Are you sure? And she's like literally reading her own menu and there it was in the middle. Oh, well, I suppose it's on the menu, isn't it? Well, I can do you one, but I don't really know how to do it. Yeah, so exactly. So what what would we have been served? No idea. No idea. To be fair, Bob, what is a mocha? A mocha is a shot of espresso, a shot of chocolate and frothy milk. It's a latte, basically, a coffee latte with chocolate. And what's the difference with a cappuccino? I'm not a qualified barista slash Italian person. It's to do with the amount of milk and foam. Okay. So I think cappuccino has more foam and less milk. And I think a latte has more milk, less foam. So anyway, we went for the latte option. She could do latte. That was guaranteed. That was confirmed. And we had three lattes and an apple juice. But then we sat down there and basically my point from days past was proven. What do you mean? Well, I was saying about how Tom Chon's songs are 
a little bit naive or innocent, like you can leave your hat on. What did the shop assistant play for us? So there was no music on when we sat down. And literally we sat down and they played J. Cole, Wet Dreams with a Z. Now, if you don't know that song, the song basically starts with a man talking about a pussy. And we ain't talking about what's new pussycat here. He literally says that he's going to sing about the first time he got pussy. Now, we were with our friends who are a little bit older than us. Very, very liberal people. Very, you know, people of the world, shall we say. But still, when you're sitting down for a nice little quiet latte that you wanted to be a mocker that wasn't, and then literally you sit down on a on a banquette and the first thing you hear is pussy, your ears prick up a little bit, don't they, Bob? Mm, yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, that was our... But see what I mean? You have dumb chance. Oh, you can leave your head on. Oh, so sexy. Now, let's talk about pussy. I got quite irate about it. And Ben here was like, well, we're in Soho. It's what you expect. I was like, yes, we're in Soho, but we're in a croissant shop. It's not like we're in one of the sex shops or, or one of the kind of like really late night bars. And even if it was, it was half past five in the evening. I don't want somebody to be singing pussy to me at half past five in the evening. To be fair, we're too gay to be one to be sung about pussy at any time. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Oh, well. So that was our cultural week. So, you know, we had historic novels, Shakespeare, and then a little bit of Fangita <laughs> <laughs> before we got the drone back to Warwickshire. There is something, though, that I didn't do need to talk to you about, and I feel like we might have to move house. Mm, why? I think we need to move back to York. Mm, why? We're still paying for this house. Something really exciting has happened this week. Now, do you remember a few... Well, actually, in the series one, and we talked about the Cheeky Girls. Yeah. The Romanian pop duo mm-hmm. that had a few slither of hits about 10, 15 years ago. I remember vividly, yeah. Well... I've noticed recently that they're not really touring very much anymore. And I just thought, well, they might be just having a break and sitting on all the millions that they've made from Touch My Bum, which is one of their hit records. No, they've actually changed careers. Okay. What are they doing? No, they're not doing pastries and croissants, are they? They're not doing pastry and croissants, no. They're not working at a croissant shop in Soho. No, Gabriella, who I can't believe is 38, she is working as a salesperson at a Hyundai dealership in York. Okay. Does she own the dealership? I don't know if she owns the dealership, but she's working there. Now, imagine you go and buy a Hyundai at this dealership in York and you seal the deal and Gabriella turns around and says, <laughs> cheeky, cheeky. <laughs> oh, God. Do you I think mean, she lets people touch her bum when they steal the deal? Yeah, that's illegal. I know, but maybe they play the song out of the speakers or take your shoes off or it's a cheeky holiday. I mean, the, the hits are endless. I tell you what, one of the things that I've learned of travelling with you is that sometimes I need to push back. So no, we're not going to go to a Hyundai dealership in York. What if we go up to York to see like friends and family? Can we mm. swing by, please? No. Okay, I know it's quite far, so I've got a backup plan. Because the reason why, <laughs> why Gabriella has got that job at the York Hyundai dealership is because her sister, her younger twin sister by only 10 minutes, Monica, Mm -hmm. has already been working at a Hyundai dealership in Boston, Lancashire. Now that's technically closer than York. So maybe, and we did say that we wanted to go to Lincoln because we've not been, well, I've, I've not been for a long time. You've never been. I've never been. 
and I'll never will have been to a Hyundai dealership there. Let's just wait until they go on tour. It's not going to be what you expect. You're not going to get there and they're going to play Cheeky Red Girl song for you. It's not going to happen. They might do during the test drive, though. Can you imagine that? You get in the car with Monica or Gabriella and they play one of their hits while you're doing the test drive around Boston, Lancashire. Yeah, and suddenly Boston, Lancashire, I can imagine it to have a very, very high accident rate. Are you being like a creepy Santa? <laughs> no, I'm getting in the mood. It's the Halloween special. Yay. Oh, we're back to the sound effects. Yay. People love the sound effects. Well, but we're making this for ourselves, aren't we? No, we're making it for, for everybody else. Oh. It's our gift to the world, Bab. And your gift to the world is sound effects. <laughs> that was a live one. Okay. I actually did that myself. I'm, yeah, I know, I noticed. <laughs> I'm literally standing, standing right in front of you. So, we're here to talk about Halloween this week. Mm, yes, we are. Do you know the full history of Halloween? Um, that was my sound effect, by the way. Um... I suppose no. Um, I mean, the thing is, because Halloween isn't really th- a thing in Argentina, it's not something that I really delved into it. The only reference that we have is that, of course, it's not necessarily about sort of the US celebration of Halloween, but actually like the Mexican celebration of the Day of the Dead. Correct. Yes, indeed. So Halloween is a celebration observed in many countries on the 31st of October, the eve of the Western Christian feast of All Hallows Day or All Saints Day. Now, it actually begins the observance, and I didn't know this until I did a bit of research before we did the podcast today, the observance of All Hallow Tide. Now, this is the time in the year dedicated to remembering the dead. So that includes saints, martyrs, and the faithfully departed. Because actually, you know, you have all... Saints Day on the 1st, and then the 2nd of November is All Souls Day. Okay. And when's Day of the Dead in Mexico? Uh, Isn't it the same day? Yeah, Day of the Dead in Mexico is on the 2nd of November, so that's the day when... Of the soul, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the soul's day. And I know that in Mexico it's about, it's more like a celebration, it's not something like it's spooky, scary, like, you know, there's like a bad connotation to Halloween in terms that it's scary, it's kind of like, well, it's not great, is it? It's, it's where ghosts and goblins and things like that go out to terrorise the people of the village, but actually the celebration is is quite a lively one. It's a, it's a good thing, it's a remembrance thing, it's a, a celebration. Oh, it? I think it's amazing as well, and what I love is how, you know, families get together and they go and clean all the graves of, of people who've passed on. I think that's such a lovely thing to do. But the interesting thing is, you know how in the last James Bond film, I think it was Spectre, and they had the parade, the Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City, and James Bond is kind of caught in the middle of it. Apparently that never existed, 
until the James Bond film had a Day of the Dead parade. And now, as a result of the James Bond film, they have a Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City every year. Mm, thank you, James Bond. <laughs> yeah, who'd have thought eh, that James Bond would have influenced Mexican culture? But I guess it's Halloween is kind of seen as a, as a Christian celebration, but there's lots of theories that, you know, as with other Christian holidays throughout the year, that the traditions of Halloween come from the Celtic Harvest Festival... The Gaelic festival of Samhain is one that's often noted. But then other people say that it's, you know, it was completely Christianised and the first mention of Halloween comes from All Hallows Day or the eve of All Hallows Day. So, yeah, there's lots of um, lots of theories around where it came from. So there you are. A little bit of history. Were you trying to make Halloween a British thing, suddenly, like with the Gaelic side of it? Well, it's really interesting because most Halloween traditions actually come from the British Isles, and a lot of them come from Ireland and Scotland. So, when you think of Halloween now, what do you think about? Slutty costumes. No, and... <laughs> Sluttier costumes. No, it's orange, it's big, and you carve it. Uh, okay, so pumpkins. Yes, well done, the jack-o'-lantern. And basically a jack-o'-lantern is a soul that has been denied entry into both heaven and hell. Now it's most associated with Halloween these days, but in Ireland and Scotland it was traditionally a turnip. A turnip? That was carved, yeah. Oh god, that, I can imagine that would have looked terrifying. So the story goes that on a route home after a night's drinking, Jack encountered the devil and he tricks the devil into climbing a tree. Now Jack etches the sign of the cross into the bark and that traps the devil. So Jack strikes a bargain with the devil and basically says, you can never claim my soul. So Jack goes on to have a life of sin, drink, basically does whatever he wants. He's obviously then refused entry to heaven when he dies, Mm -hmm. but he knows that the devil won't take Jack into hell. So apparently the rumour or the story goes that the devil threw some coal straight from the fires of hell at Jack and it was a cold night so Jack put the coal in a hollowed out turnip to stop it from going out and since then he's walked around with his lantern looking for a place to rest. Mm, I'm not sure how I feel about that story. First of all, you wouldn't think that the devil would be tricked so easily. Well, he's the devil, isn't he? You know, he's, he's got to be tricked somehow. Well, does he? I don't know. He's like the ultimate trickster, isn't he? Even a trickster can be tricked. Yeah, but so easily. And also, from Chuck's perspective, it's like, not very forward-thinking, isn't it? It's like, yes, the, uh, the devil cannot claim your soul, but you should have known that that doesn't guarantee that you'll get into heaven. So you knew when you made that pact with the devil... That if you pursued a life of mischief, then you would be stuck in limbo for all eternity. With a turnip. With a turnip. <laughs> well, I, I suppose that the part of the turnip was the part that he probably wouldn't have anticipated. Yeah. So, not very clever, this person. <laughs> but then, obviously, the pilgrims went over to North America, and I presume there's not many turnips in North America, but there's a lot of pumpkins... They're bigger, they're easier to carve because they're softer. So over time, the turnip has been replaced with... I mean, carving a turnip sounds like a lot of detailed work, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It's very small, so you can't have to... (laughs) I can imagine, like, the tiniest knife to try and carve it. it It's like those incredible people who carve, you know, like 
spaceships or the Titanic at the end of a matchstick or something like that. Like, it's that kind of skill, isn't it, with the turnip? There's a name for that. What? People who have a lot of free time. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell me, like, a really cool name for people who carve amazing things at the end of a matchstick. No, it's just people with spare time. Okay. <laughs> Trick-or-treating, where do you think that originated from? I mean, I'm sure you're going to tell me it's British somehow. Well, yeah, kind of. Generally speaking, it's medieval Europe. There's a bit of um, Scandi influence in all of this. So, um, medieval Europe, was it Brexit or not Brexit? So, are we (laughs) Europe or not Europe at that stage? I don't know if the Zolverein was a thing then or or what was going on. But yeah, we were were somewhat different to what we are now. But it was known as souling. It wasn't called trick-or-treat back then. And it was basically where groups of Christians, mostly the poor or children, would beg the rich for soul cakes. What is soul cake? Well, it's basically like a shortbread with like bits of fruit in. And they would, in exchange for that, they would give them prayers for the givers and they would also pray for the the people that they knew as well. So is that like what evolved into like caroling, you know, like singing? No, this is where trick or treating came from. Oh, do, do you not sing for Halloween? No, you don't sing. You say trick or treat and you give them a bucket and you get it filled with... Your sweets. Oh, that sounds rubbish. I want a song. No, you don't get a song at Halloween. You get a song at Christmas. Has Mariah released a Halloween song? All I want for Halloween is candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... You heard it here first. She could have gone for an original song. (laughs) So in Scotland and Ireland, it was known as guising. Uh, And by the end of the 19th century, this involved children dressing up in costumes... And carrying turnip lanterns, as we've already heard about. Other traditions that came from the UK? Apple bobbing. What's apple bobbing? (laughs) So apple bobbing is where you get like a bowl full of apples and you have to get the apple out of the bowl without using your hands. So you just have to use your mouth. Isn't that like a form of torture? (laughs) I don't know, but... Isn't that like a self... Waterboarding. It's very difficult, yeah. It's like when, do you remember last Christmas when we did it with the um, After 8, where you put an After 8, so this is, for those of you who don't know what an After 8 is, it's kind of like a flat... It's a mean chocolate that looks like a condom. It doesn't look like a condom. It looks like a condom wrapper. Yeah, the wrapper, it looks like a condom, but it's kind of like a flat square, it's very thin. Yeah. And the, the, the After 8 challenge is where you put it on your forehead, and you have to get it into your mouth without using your hands basically and you so you have to kind of like melt it down your face it's pure hilarity like we were having so much fun playing that game i couldn't breathe like, yeah and you couldn't do it either no i couldn't do it well i think i did i think i did it after the fourth attempt yeah i did it at one the first one. Oh my god no one likes to show off better but one of my favorite traditions from halloween that i found from researching for this podcast is to foretell your future partner or spouse And basically what people would do, traditionally, they would peel an apple Mm -hmm. in one long strip, then the peel would be tossed over their shoulder, and then the peel is believed to land in the shape of the first letter of the person that you're going to marry. Oh, so we're fucked. Well, I think we should try it now. No, we're fucked. Why? Regardless of how long the peel you want it to be, think about it logically. You throw it... Most people with a name starting with the letter C would be fine. But imagine throwing a pill and it having to spell the letter B for Ben or Benja. We fucked. It's never going to happen. Shall we try it? 
I mean, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> okay, so here's what here's what I prepared earlier. I've got my apple and I've got my peeler. Mm-hmm. So I'm peeling. So I've got to do it in one long... Oh, you shouldn't trust me with a knife, Bab. Oh, God, I'm getting it everywhere. Dripping. <laughs> it's dripping. Dripping apple juice. I'm literally dripping apple juice. Are you going to eat the apple afterwards as well? Sure. It's quite a nice apple, actually. Yeah, it's quite juicy. Right. That thing is never going to form a bee. Right, I've got my apple peel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to toss it over my shoulder. It's a shame we don't have an independent adjudicator for this, but I'm sure we'll be able to decide. Right, so we're hoping that this is going to land in a bee formation. Okay, you ready? Three, two, one. Throw it. Okay, so it's going to be someone with the letter J. Uh, my brother's called James. <laughs> See what I mean? It's never going to make a B. It's, it's, the chances of it making a B are astronomically low. So, we're screwed. Oh, it's a nice apple. Where do we get these apples from? Well, we got them from Aldi, didn't we? From Aldi, yeah. I don't think I've had an Aldi apple before. It's really nice. Okay. Right. Sorry. Yeah, uh, Okay. Chew, swallow, because all I can hear it whilst we're talking is like... <laughs> That's basically like a night of passion with me, isn't it? Mm, a little bit juicier. A little bit juicier. Oh, I see, I see. So there you are, Halloween traditions. Um, Do you have any Halloween traditions in Argentina? No. So, actually, Halloween is not a thing in Argentina. It never was. Um... Probably in the last few years, it's kind of becoming a, a like a preschool thing. It's like it, it, it's an excuse to get children to do something different. You know, the children dress up, they go to school uh, dressing up, and they play some games in school. So it, it's basically just that. I, I don't think there are like Halloween parties. Like adults don't really have Halloween parties in Argentina. It's not a thing at all. But of course, the thing is, is it's a fun thing to do, isn't it? You just, regardless of uh, regardless of what it is, it's a fancy dress party, isn't it? So that's always fun. Although I do find in the UK with Halloween, if you are going to get dressed up, you have to get dressed up as something scary. Like there's none of this what they do in the US where you just basically get dressed up as your favourite celebrity or a slutty sailor or a sexy cowboy. No, in the UK, it has to be something scary. Mm, okay, if you say so. Um, to be fair, have I gone to a Halloween party here? Since I'm kind of too lazy to get into fancy dress. So one year I went as the videotape from The Ring. After the European financial crash, I went as the Euro. That was very scary. And I've been as a vampire as well, but it was a really shit outfit. In fact, it was so shit, the outfit, that I think I wrote, I am a vampire on my t-shirt just to make it really obvious. Oh, baby. <laughs> I basically had like a bit of ketchup either side mm-hmm. of my mouth. <laughs> a little bit of ketchup, so that didn't last long. You probably licked it like two minutes into it. <laughs> yeah, hence why I had to have a t-shirt yeah. saying, I am a vampire. Mm. What it has to be said is that Halloween does have an impact in Argentina, though. And the impact is, is on the haters. And it's absolutely hilarious. Because you have all of these people who say, oh, why do you celebrate Halloween? It's, so, it's such a US thing, such a foreigner influence thing, rather than the national thing. 
So why don't you celebrate the Pachamama, which is Pachamama is the indigenous word for Mother Earth. So Gaia called Pachamama. What, right. like from Captain Planet, Gaia? Do you remember oh. Captain Planet? Oh, Bob, you need to read a little bit more. Captain Planet, he's a hero, gonna take pollution down to zero. I'm surprised with all this, like, COP26 stuff going on, that they haven't brought Captain Planet back. They could do, like, a live reboot of Captain Planet, yeah. couldn't they? There was, there was the guy who can control the Earth, because they yeah. all had the rings, didn't they? And yeah. then when they put the rings together, they summoned Captain yeah. Planet. Yeah, so you had the Earth one, who was the guy that was from Africa. Then you had Water, that was the Asian girl. Then you had Wind, that was the Russian girl. Fire, who was the uh, North American boy. And then the lame one. Yeah, Heart. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, he was gay as well. Clearly gay. Um, he was very, very sensitive. I looked up to him the most when I was a young child. You know, probably struggling with my sexuality. And the Heart guy... Maybe he was just sensitive. He used to talk to dolphins a lot. And I imagine that, you know... What, dolphins are gay? What, are the gateway to becoming gay? Well, I didn't grow up by the seaside, but if I did, I'd probably talk to dolphins quite a lot. So I assume that that's what gays who grow up by the seaside do, <laughs> talk to dolphins. Yeah, let me repeat that bit where I say you should read more. So who's Gaia then? Who is the original Gaia? Not, Gaia? not from Captain Planet. Gaia is the name for Earth, for Mother Earth. But that comes from mythology. It doesn't come from uh, from Captain Planet, Bob. Oh, it was a great cartoon. It was. And then Pachamama is kind of like the Argentinian indigenous name for it. Now, don't get me wrong. Foreign influence, fine, all right. If you want to be that nationalist, that's up to you, really. The part that really annoys me is that these people who say, oh, it's shit that you celebrate Halloween because it's such a US thing, celebrate an Argentinian thing. First of all, they don't celebrate any Argentinian tradition. I mean, they talk about, oh, celebrate Pachamama. They don't do it. And also, then, at the same time, these are the people who very gladly, they decorate with fake snow and put a pine tree into the houses to celebrate Christmas in a very wintry look in 40-degree weather. I never forget that. When we were in Argentina at Christmas... And I was literally stood looking at this department store window and it had this like snowy scene. And I was on the other side of the window, literally sweating my bollocks off. Like I was so hot. And I was like, how can you even imagine that this could be snowy here? Exactly. So people just want to hate. And that's the thing. It's, it's people who, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Let people be. It's a fun thing for children to do. It's a fun activity for children to do. It's a fun thing for adults to do, to go to a fancy dress party. So, I, I mean, leave and let leave. Yeah, it's really interesting for me, though, the fact that so many Halloween traditions do come from, you know, Europe, this part of the world, essentially. Because we never really celebrated Halloween as well growing up. But yeah, because you're special, aren't you? <laughs> well, yes, we are special because in Yorkshire, in the north of England, we have our own version, you know, obviously, because we're special. Obviously, because you're Yorkshire, so you're special. So in York, we celebrate what's known as Mischief Night, or we used to call it Miggy Night, on November the 4th. Oh, that sounds like, that sounds even lamer than the card kid talking to dolphins. But Miggy Night, yeah. there's nothing lame about Miggy Night. It's mainly teenagers who take part, and it's it's kind of a coming-of-age ceremony, but essentially you take part in pranks and vandalism. So basically vandalism. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you would throw eggs at people's houses, you would cover cars in washing up liquid, 
or your toilet paper shop. Okay, so illegal, illegal, illegal. Yeah, so, but it's relatively low-level stuff. Like, the police are not going to get called out. Still vandalism. <laughs> but the interesting thing for me is that no one's really sure where it comes from. It's a bit of a mystery on the folklore calendar where Mischief Night comes from. Other parts of the country do celebrate it, but it's mainly in the north and mostly in Yorkshire. And as I say, it's on November the 4th, which is the eve of Guy Fawkes Night which is the 5th of November. So a lot of people think that it might have had something to do with that. So Guy Fawkes Night, Bonfire Night. Not a thing outside of the UK, by the way. So for anyone outside of the UK, Guy Fawkes is uh, is the guy that basically plotted to blow up the parliament and actually managed to get a lot of explosive under, uh, under the parliament, but it got caught at the last minute, so it didn't happen. Yeah. It actually inspired V for Vendetta, you know, the film? Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was back in 1605. He was trying to... Him and a group of plotters, hence the gunpowder plot. Yeah, so he was trying to... Attempting him and a group of other guys were trying to... <laughs> were they all named Guy? <laughs> the no, other guys? Like other men. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to be, like, neutral, but obviously they were all men. Okay. So, and I was trying to think of a word that was fairly neutral, that but kind of alluded to the fact that they meant. But yes, they were all male, and they were all planning to kill King James the First at the state opening of Parliament in 1605. But Guy Fawkes was the one, the first one to get caught because he was guarding the barrels of gunpowder underneath Parliament. He was obviously arrested, and then he was later hanged, drawn, and quartered. And because everything in this country makes absolute sense, the way that you celebrate a foiled attempt to blow up the parliament is with a big bonfire. It's lighting a big-ass fire. And fireworks. And fireworks. So, perfect sense. Well, it's kind of the, you know, everyone's talking about Marvel's what if. It's kind of us playing out our what if scenario. What if he had have blown up the parliament? It would have created a massive fire and fireworks from all the gunpowder. But the thing, you celebrate that you celebrate that the attempt failed by doing a representation of what would have happened if it succeeded. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. And the other, the other thing as well is you, traditionally you will put an effigy of Guy Fawkes on the bonfire. And burn it. And you call it a guy. Yeah, you would burn it. But because I'm from York and Guy Fawkes was born in York, we're not allowed to put an effigy of Guy on the bonfire. Well, it is a little bit barbaric, regardless of where the guy was born. Well, you can't burn one of your own in York, so we've never had a guy. Never, never, never actually done that. But I love bonfire night. Actually, controversially, it's probably my favourite holiday of the year. Yeah, but that's because you love fireworks. I love fireworks. And I can't wait, because I always do my own firework display. So it's getting to that time of the year where I need to go and get my big box of fireworks. Have you ordered this yet? No, I haven't yet. I need to do that. So Mm. thank you for reminding me to to do something from my list. But yeah, I love, I love fireworks. Okay, but we're digressing from Halloween and your mischief night. And so you didn't celebrate Halloween in York? Not really. It was not a thing? Not really. Is it now a thing? Well, I think in the UK in general, Halloween has got bigger and bigger every year. We did carve pumpkins this year. We did carve a pumpkin this year, but quite early. <laughs> we did it at the end of September with our friends' children, and the pumpkin has now gone... Well, it went really soggy and a bit minging, actually. It started to smell, so I've removed them from the doorstep and put them in the green waste bin. Yeah, but from all of the people who carved a pumpkin, about 10 pumpkins were carved that day. 
we had a very impartial judge whose pumpkin won the best. It was you. It was me. My first attempt at carving a pumpkin, and I fucking nailed it. Yeah, but to be fair, Bab, you're 39 years old. You were competing against, like, a five and a six-year-old. No, 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 no. Everyone was competing. <laughs> you got second place. I did. I got silver. You got silver behind me. And all of your friends carved their own as well. All of your adult friends carved their own. So, no, no. It wasn't a children thing. I won fair and square. Hashtag the best. Well, I've decided we're not marking Halloween this year. No, of course not. Well, last year what happened was we've got a, as you know, we've got a residence group on Facebook in in the on the estate that we live on. And last year they said, because of COVID, we don't want to do any door knocking. We're not going to be. And then some people were like, oh, it's begging and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm not getting involved. We don't have children. It doesn't really matter to us. But they said what we'd like people to do is we'd still like to walk around and see everyone's houses decorated and the kids would still like to dress up. So if you want to leave sweets on your doorstep and the kids can collect them as they go around. Literally, five o'clock in the evening, we put up quite a large bowl of sweets out. Yeah, a I'd decent say, bowl. Yeah, I'd say we spent probably about, oh, at least nineteen ninety nine on assorted sweets <laughs> and chocolate. Not that I'm counting. And... Literally, the first family that came to our house took the lot. Yeah, I know. I mean, and the thing is, we went out like 20 minutes later and there was nothing left. They took everything. And then I was like, but now we're going to look really skanky because anybody else comes to our house afterwards will think that we've not bothered providing anything. You know what? Fuck them. I'm going to put an empty bowl outside. So basically, if anyone comes by, oh, sorry, it's gone. Blame yourselves. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So it'll look like we've provided that gesture of goodwill but actually we know secretly that we've not done anything well it's not that secret we're talking about it in the podcast yeah but i don't think anyone around here listens to it Mm. hi neighbors oh yeah maybe they do actually oh well secrets out yeah get over it so have you got any scary stories from halloween um not really i mean i think that i'm as we've spoken before my ghost stories have been like everyday life ghost stories, not necessarily like a a specific day ghost stories. I think probably the closest that I have to one is that when we were in my grandmother's village and there was this house that was unoccupied, no one was living there. And of course, you know how it happens with abandoned houses. Children sort of start making up stuff that is haunted and things like that. And I remember going, we went in once, but of course it wasn't haunted. So it was just a dingy old creaky house. You went uh, inside? Yeah, yeah, we snuck in inside. <gasps> and what was inside? Uh, dust, um. spider webs, and not much more, really. But they were, they had, they had, like, on the back is. Imagine, uh, like, the dogs had, like, their own granny flat. So it had, like, a fence and it went into, like, a, a, like a two dog houses. Uh, and so on. And again, the rumors, children, was that those were, were the ghost dogs lived so if you got close they would chase you and of course we got close and someone rattled a noise or something just to wind us up and we all ran and we left and that's pretty much it so pretty lame whoa no whoa it's 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 the lamest story ever i always find though that when you do go into abandoned buildings they're always really disappointing inside like when i was at uni i got into this hobby called bunkering which is basically where you find old second world war and cold war bunkers and you kind of find them on a map 
and you go into them and, and explore them. But like literally, I went to one in Redditch. To be fair, when I say a hobby, I did it once with some friends because it was something to do. Like we had no money. I mean, I hope so because between the transporter, if you had no bunkering, I, I kind of have to wonder how did you ever have sex? I well, you're asking me that. Question. I mean, yeah, I know. And <laughs> like, how do we get to this point? So I got obsessed with this website called Subterranea Britannica, which used to tell you all the kind of coordinates and the OS map references of where these all were. And we got really excited. We found this one in Redditch and we went in and we went down and like literally it was all, it was a Cold War bunker, but it had been stripped of any kind of electronic device or paper or anything. Literally all we found was a packet of skips from the 1980s, obviously already eaten. It was just a wrapper and a used condom. Mm, nice. But yeah, that's the thing. They are more disappointed than what you think. Yeah. But what about you? What about your ghost stories? Well, not really ghost stories. The first one I've got for you, I've got a couple. The first one I call Aliens in the Garden. Oh, I know this one. <laughs> so when I was... And the thing is, I remember this story so well. It's so vivid. I can remember my dad came home early from work and I can remember eating an orange club. Like, There's so many things that happened around this story that it's so vivid in my memory. And basically, when we were about 11, we moved as a family to a new house. And the previous owners, quite interesting to what you said, had massive St. Bernard dogs. So they had sort of stables in the back garden. It sounds very kind of posh. That you were rich. Yeah, but but we're literally talking like a couple of shacks that were falling down. Anyway, my brother and I got really excited because they had like stable doors so we could play like cowboys and, you know, all those kind of, you know, pretending that we were on a farm or something like that. So my brother and I went outside and started exploring. And when I opened the door of this, of one of the stables, I looked up and I could basically see this kind of like wet, glowing sort of splodge in the corner. And of course... What's a splodge? Like... It was like, like a, a growth. It was like a growth of something. Okay. Yeah, it was like a stainy growth. And it just looked absolutely disgusting. And of course, the first thing that I thought was, that is some kind of extraterrestrial creature. Of course, that's the first thing your mind goes to. As an 11-year-old, that was the first thing that I thought. Mm-hmm. So I slammed the door shut, ran back into the house, and pretended that it never happened. But of course, that night, I then had a nightmare about this thing so it got into your mind so it got into my mind and basically it was this giant extraterrestrial slug that made its way into the house and crawled up the stairs and it was glowing it was radioactive and just when it got into the bedroom i woke up and obviously i was okay but i was absolutely petrified so the next day i went to school came home it was all fine and i went to sleep that night and the dream repeated itself and I've Mm. never had a recurring dream before and it was the same dream this kind of giant slug came from the stable into the house up the stairs and was you know was going to attack us and then I wake up just before so the next day at school I was absolutely petrified I remember I was shaking I was really upset I was just really really worried I was quite a sensitive child I used to worry about lots of things when I was sensitive I remember once at primary school there was a hole in the fence at the back of the school and me and a friend went and looked through the hole and there was a woman sunbathing naked and she saw us and screamed. And for about the next six months, I thought that she was going to come round to the school and report me and I was going to get expelled because I saw this naked woman. Okay. 
Of course, nothing ever happened, but I would worry about it and worry about it and worry about it. But the thing about that was that I never told anybody. And I always think when you tell people about your worries, it actually sometimes can make them go away. And that's what I did with the alien slug. My dad came home from work early. I think he'd been working in the area and he got to clock off early. He gave me an orange club, which is a, a chocolate biscuit, an orange flavoured chocolate biscuit, for those of you who don't know what a club is. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. That was the advert. And I broke down, not because of it, I was eating an orange club, because I love an orange club, but I was trying to tell my dad about this alien slug in the in the stables and all this kind of stuff. So, of course, he took me outside mm-hmm. and we went into the stable. My dad turned the light on and there is what it was, bold as brass, clear as day. It was basically the electricity coil that powered the light in the stable. So not a slug. <laughs> not a slug. It, but because it was kind of wet and it was kind of the whole structure was kind of decomposing it just looked really disgusting and I think whatever material it was made out of made it quite luminous so that's probably where Mm -hmm. I got the radioactive vibes from it was basically a power cable I'm gonna have to give you a data call why because as we've learned with your stories you're always not as young as you wish you would be for these stories so I'm kind of afraid that I'm going to call your dad and suddenly these stories gonna have happened when you were 19. No 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 it was definitely before I went to secondary school I think I was about 11. I don't think I'd had the facts of life talk yet if you know what I mean so I think I was probably about 10 11. Mm, I'm gonna make that call. But there's another another spooky story with my dad involved as well he worked out in the Middle East for a while Mm -hmm. I went to stay with him in Oman And I basically said to him, I said, I'll come out and visit. And I was really excited to visit. But I said, the minute I see a spider, I'm on the next plane home. Because they have really big spiders out there. They have big everything. And one night I was in bed, asleep. And I heard this kind of rustling sound. And there was a plastic bag in the bedroom where I was sleeping. And it was moving around the room. And I was like, shit. A spider has got caught in this plastic bag. Mm -hmm. And this plastic bag is rustling around the room. And like, literally, I don't think I've ever been so terrified in my life. And I was like, this spider is going to, it's going to be enraged because it's going to come out of the bag Mm -hmm. and then it's going to see me and it's just going to attack me and probably eat me. And then my dad will find me in the morning and I'll just be a skeleton. Basically, (laughs) that's where my mind was going at 3am in a foreign country where you knew that basically the wildlife could kill you. And I knew that in the cupboard, well, first of all, I shouted at my dad and my dad's like me. Once he goes to sleep, that's it. He's asleep until mm-hmm. the until the following morning. So of course that didn't make any use. And I couldn't run out for him. Were you blocked by the Because bag. of the plastic bag was blocking the door. But I knew that there was a cupboard in the bedroom and I knew that there was a broom in there. So I thought what I could do is if I get the broom out, I can hook the plastic bag and then throw it out the window. So that was my plan. So I kind of leaned over to the cupboard got the broom out Mm -hmm. and lifted the plastic bag up. And then I realised that the plastic bag was extremely light. I was like, there's nothing in this plastic bag. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh shit, the spider's got out, the spider's got out. And so as I dropped the plastic bag, it then started scuttling around again. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, how can the plastic bag be moving when there's no weight, there's nothing inside it? And then I heard the whirring of the air conditioning unit. And it was the air conditioning... (laughs) How old were you when this happened? 17. Okay, yeah. See what I mean? <laughs> I mean, at least it was the aircon and it wasn't you farting that was moving the bag. <laughs> well, 
that could have been that. I mean, that's a plausible explanation. But yeah, creepy crawlies freaked me out. Around the same time as the alien kind of aliens in the garden escapade, I also had a dream where I drank a glass of milk. But as the milk was going into my mouth, it turned into spiders and worms. Oh. That's why I've got a really love-hate relationship with dairy products. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine why. That's yeah. gross. So there's, those are my three... Not really spooky stories, but it's about as Halloween as you're going to get from me, I'm afraid. So, I I mean, are you spooked out? Are you freaked out by my stories? Um, I spooked out about a number of things, but mostly they relate to your mental health rather than your... The spookiness of your stories. Okay, shall we move on? Bye! (laughs) So, Halloween. Yeah, so I have homework now. What homework? Well, I need to figure out what name starting with J. I need to change my name by Deed Paul. Oh, Bob. I'm thinking Jebediah. Jebediah? I thought you might have gone Spanish and gone Javier. Oh, the what, sorry? Javier. What's that? Javier. 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 Oh my God, that's exactly what I just said. No, it's not. But you do this all the time. Like, I literally say Spanish words to you. Like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. And then I say it in English and say, can you translate it? And you say, well, it's Javier. And I just said that to you. Yeah, no, but you didn't say that. We listened to the recording to figure out. Fake news. So you are listeners. Get in touch. Tell us, what name starting with the letter J should I change my name by Deed Paul to fit this Halloween tradition? Well, you can do that in one of several ways, Bab. You can tweet us at BarebackPod. You can contact us on Instagram at BarebackPodcast. Or on Facebook, just search for us, Bareback, you know where we are. Or you can write us an email at BarebackPodcast at gmail.com. So, uh, what are we going to do now? Uh, <laughs> what are we going to do now? And don't mm, eat an apple. I Why suppose. are we eating an apple? Yeah, I know. Is it juicy? I'm really hungry. Well, you should have eaten the lunch that I made for you. Well, I did eat the lunch that you made for you, but now I'm having an apple because I'm still I'm hungry. Okay, shall we say goodbye then? Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It's really rude to uh, eat with your mouth. Full, I know. It? You're being. Sorry. It's really rude to talk while you're eating, isn't it? Well, yes, I'm so it hungry, is. Hungry, Bob. Anyway. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.